Oh, you've got to put that yeah. thing on me, don't you? When I greeted them this morning, they said, Oh, we came to worship here, but we didn't know you were preaching. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if that meant that they wouldn't be here if they knew that I was preaching. Right. Oh, we are on. <laughs> we are definitely on. So how long do I have, Brenton? Uh, we're happy to hear from you as long as you'd like to go, but normally it's roughly half an hour. Okay, so this is my timer. It buzzes when I reach 30 minutes. That's uh, just the recorder. Oh, this recorder. Okay. <laughs> And this morning, um, I'm preaching from Jesus' most famous sermon. Anyone know what Jesus' most famous sermon is? Seven on the Mount. And it's probably my favourite sermon. And I love preaching from Sermon on the Mount. There are actually eight points. And I've chosen to speak on point three, which is blessed, happy are the meek. So in this sermon, Jesus gave eight instructions to enable us to know how to make life work for us and for our children. But it's not just about the happiness of me, myself and my family. See, Jesus is a blessing God. Our God is a blessing God and he pours blessing into us so that he can pour blessing through us. Blessing comes to us so that he can send it through us to other precious people around us. And in that, there is actually a double blessing because sociologists have worked out what makes people happy. And one of the greatest things, biggest things, that causes people to be happy is people serving other people, giving to other people, being generous with other people, blessing other people. So we get blessed by Jesus, and that's an amazing blessing, but he says, I put it into you that you can send it out to others because he knows that we are made not only to love God, but to love people. And when we love people, we get blessed. I didn't know how to love people until I came to Jesus Christ. And from the day I received Jesus, I found this love for people. And so I knew that I had had a supernatural, miraculous encounter with God because only God could have taken out the hate and replaced it with love for people. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed, happy are the meek, the gentle, sweet, spirited, self-controlled, for they will inherit the earth. So, what do you think of when you hear the word meek? We've heard the saying, meek as a mouse. A wife said to her husband... What are you, a man or a mouse? Squeak up. (laughs) But meekness is not weakness. 
There are two men in the Bible who are called meek. And they they are Jesus and Moses. And neither Jesus nor Moses were pushovers. They weren't weak. They were strong, very strong men. Meekness actually means strength under control. And it refers to a strong, powerful stallion under control. Strength under control. I had a crazy horse um, some years ago. And it was out of control. But when I put the bit in its mouth, I had control. And it would become meek. Strength under control. Jesus said, happy are the meek. Those that don't overreact to people. So, if you want to get along in life, if you want life to work well for you, you have to learn to get along. If you want to get ahead, learn to get along. See, meekness makes life work better. And so this morning I want to discuss five attributes of meekness. Um, if we have time. And really these five attributes of meekness are demonstrations of practical love that flow out of the spirit of Jesus Christ. And so being in relationship with Jesus is really the major key to living a meek life. We have to be walking and talking with Jesus, talking to him in prayer hearing him through reading the word. So point one, when someone serves you, be understanding, not demanding. It can be frustrating in shops sometimes with some people serving, but if we are meek, we'll be understanding and not demanding. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. I'll just stop there. This is not in the sermon, but I've noticed that when I'm interested in other people and interested in what they're doing, they just open up. Oh, look, I'll go away from the sermon again. Last week we went to Mount Gambry and we went down to the river there um, that is on the border of South Australia and Victoria. And on the map it showed this little road that went right in to the river. Anyway, I get there and it's a private property and there's a gate. And there's the, the, the owner, they're cutting down a tree. And he was quite a character. Looked a bit of a hippie, you know, coloured hat and, you know, long hair. And, and anyway, I, I, I was just interested in him. And I asked him questions about what he was doing and, you know, and, and what his... Um, life experiences were and anyway he just opened up and he shared how he's got a bit of a problem with the alcohol and you know he's had a problem with people coming into his property and stuff like that anyway after I, I was just interested in him and and probably after about a half an hour of talking to him he goes you can come to my property anytime you want if you want to come and camp on my property, I've got lots of fish here and, and you know, any time you want, Ray, come and stay on my... So I've got this access to this property right on the Glenelg River, the most beautiful spot. 
And all I have to do is give me his phone number. I just So I said to Rob, we're going back there and we're going to go and stay in his property and we're going to win him to Jesus because he needs Jesus. And why did he just open up, invite me to come to his property? Because I was interested in him and interested in what he was doing, which was an expression of my love and care for him. And he just responded, you know, it was like a moth to the light. And you know what it was? It's Jesus loving me. People can feel it and sense it. So how do you treat waitresses, secretaries, clerks, bank tellers, checkout chicks? Are you understanding or demanding? Have I ever preached the message here on you are champions? Did I ever preach that here? Okay, I'll tell you this story then. Because I use the story in... You are, a, if you're a Christian, you're a champion. Okay, one day Robin asked me to go to Woolies to get a bottle of cream because we were having guests for tea and she wanted to make a dessert with cream. So I go in, get the bottle of cream, and I come to the checkout chick, and she's a student who's working part time at Woolies. And I noticed that with the customer in front of me, she grabbed his goods. And she'd flip it up and throw it to her hand, scan it, put it down. She'd throw it to her hand, scan it. I thought, oh, this is interesting. Anyway, sure enough, she gets my cream, she flips it, and she missed. And the cream hit the counter. And the lid came off. And the cream shot in the air. And I looked at her, and I said... You missed me. <laughs> and she looked down the front of my shirt, horror in her eyes. She was ready to burst into tears. And she said, no, I didn't. And I looked <laughs> down my front. These checkout, checkout chicks have been abused. They get abused every day for some reason by grumpy customers. So she was getting ready for a blast. And I just looked at her and I smiled. I said, honey, if that's the worst thing that happens to me today, I'm a blessed man. Well, she just relaxed. And I was her favourite customer from that day on. Whenever she'd see me, a big smile would break out. She'd serve me with a smile. And she basically <laughs> fell in love with me because I was kind. I was kind to her and loving so, what is the reputation of your church family here? In the shops, the supermarkets, the restaurants, if there are any in Macclesfield? Are we Christians understanding or are we bad-mannered and demanding? Do we have a reputation for being pushy, rude, demanding or a reputation for being understanding? You know, the secret of receiving great service from people is to treat people with respect, dignity and love. One night, Robin asked me to go and buy a couple of hot chickens. No, sorry, one hot chicken for tea down from Henley Beach Road Chicken Shop in Adelaide. And I walked in and asked for a hot chicken. And the owner very apologetically 
said that the hot chickens had sold out and the next batch wouldn't be ready for about an hour. And I replied, Oh, look, if that's the worst thing that happens to me today, I'm a blessed man. And she replied, I have been abused by the last three customers who've walked in here because I'd been sold out of hot chickens. But you have been so nice to me. You have been so polite. She said, I want to give you two cold chickens. I said, you can't do that. She said, yes, I can. I want to. She said, here you are. Take two cold chickens. So the moral of the story is, blessed are the meat, for they shall inherit two chickens. <laughs> the second way to be meek and respond rather than react. When somebody disappoints you, be gentle and not judgmental. So happiness comes when you can accept people when they haven't reached your standard of attainment, your level of perfection or understanding. Loving, happiness results from loving people who are far from perfect. At Galatians 6 verses 1 to 2, if a person is trapped in some sin, you who are a spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. How do you react when somebody messes up, particularly a pastor? The tall poppy syndrome? Do you get excited about it? Ah, I told you, I could see it coming. Only a fool would have done that. That was so dumb. <clears throat> I would never have been that dumb. Last week, my wife got out of the car and she had her phone in her lap. And as she got out, she forgot the phone was in her lap. It dropped out of the car into a pool of water. And I go, well, that was smart. <laughs> that was not meek. That was proud and arrogant. And I go, oh, man, I haven't done that for a long time. I still haven't reached perfection. And I had to apologise. No, I should have been gentle, not judgmental. Uh, 28 years ago, I mishandled a situation, a church situation in Murray Bridge. At that stage, the congregation was early on in the church's history and the congregation was about 120 and uh, I lost half the congregation. 60 people left the church. And I was corrected, which I needed to be. But I was corrected by two kinds of people. One kind corrected me gently with a tear in their eye. The other kind corrected me harshly with a glint in their eye. Jesus often got upset with self-righteous religious people who were always judging others without looking at their own unloving lives. I continue that story in the first of the Beatitudes, um, which is blessed are the humble. And 
I had to humble myself. I did stuff up. And the Bible said, the Bible says, um, God exalts the humble and brings down the proud. So after that event, oh, I had an emotional breakdown. I couldn't walk for a couple of days. I, I just physically and mentally collapsed. But I recovered by getting God's word and walking around, you know, starting crawling around, then walking around reading God's promises. This is not in this morning's sermon, so I'm probably going to run out of time. But, no, I won't tell that story. I'll preach it next time I come. I'll preach on Blessed of the Humble. No, I can see you all want to hear it. So, um, I got up in front of the whole congregation, 60 people, and I apologised and asked for them to forgive me. In the following six months, the church exploded. And it went from 60, probably over, tw- over the next 12 months, it exploded and the church went from 60 to 180 people in 12 months. And the church just was a transformed church and never stopped growing from that day forward and to this day. Number three, point three, when someone disagrees with you, be tender without surrender. Romans 14 verse 1, accept him who is weak in the faith without passing judgment on disputable matters. The fact is you can't please everybody in life. Just as you get crowd A satisfied, crowd B gets upset. One minute you're the hero. One minute I was the hero in Murray Bridge Christian Family Centre Church. I stuffed up, the next minute I was the zero. The same thing happened in, um, I used to be supply manager of South Australian Dental Service and the cost of hiring, of renting the supply store was just exorbitant. And so I found another store and it just happened to be near my home. So I could actually walk to work. But as soon as my staff, I had probably 11 staff, As soon as my staff found out that I was shifting to the other side of Adelaide, near my home, man, I was the zero. They were really grumpy with me. And and they were very abusive. And I tell you, I had to be tender with them, but I couldn't surrender because I was going to save the taxpayer hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. But not only that, there were some dangers in the old store in that all the outgoing and ingoing goods all crossed over one another. In a good supply store, you have one side for inward goods and the other side for outward goods. And we had huge amount of inflammables would come in. And, and in the new store, they were able to just come in and go into fireproof cupboards and not be crossing over and not be left out where they could explode. And anyway, they, they were all grumpy, but I had to stand ground. I, I was tender, I didn't react, but I couldn't surrender. Anyway, we shifted it in the new store and they had their own tea room and they found it so easy to not have crossovers with goods coming in and out and I order them all these big stackable thingos and lifters that they could just slide stuff in. 
And for the first week or two, they'd walk around every day saying, oh, we love this place. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, this is just heaven. We love this place. I went from a zero back up to the hero. But, you know, I could have, by getting upset with them, by getting grumpy with them, by returning abuse for abuse, I could have caused a lot of damage. But I didn't. We need to be tender without surrender. Holding the line, but holding it peaceably. So the test of maturity is how we handle irritating, argumentative, disagreeable people. We have three alternatives. We can retreat in fear. I could have given up and go, oh, we'll go back to the old store. We can attack in anger. Don't you abuse me, or I'll sack you. Or we can respond in love. Guys, let's just give it a go. Don't react and get angry. I think this is going to work well. I'm not actually shifting the store to be close to my home. I'm shifting the store because I think it's going to make life so much easier for you. I held the line. Meekness is not being a doormat, always letting the other person have their own way. That's not meekness, that is actually weakness. However, a meek person never fights a battle where winning doesn't make any difference. A meek person doesn't get into an argument over something that doesn't matter anyway. When I was a young Christian, there was a lot of conflict between the AOG and the CRC over the second coming of Christ. There was the amillennial and pre-amillennial and the secret rapture and the historicist view. And because the AOG and the CRC had alternative views, it's like they almost hated one another. And they would criticise and they'd be nasty. Both sides. And they would argue, not everyone, but there was a lot of, you know, really putting each denomination down over this. Because it was a big thing when I first got saved, the second coming of Christ. And there were a whole bunch of books written and, oh, it was the big, you know, the big topic of the time. However, I just came up with the saying, Jesus is coming back and I'm going up. I don't care how or when. All I care is that I'm going to be with Jesus. And I would just say there are great men of God on both sides of the argument. Therefore, we can't be proud and arrogant and think our view is the right view. Every view has some valid arguments. Else there would be no argument. So I just say, let's just settle with the fact that, hey, we're going home. Whether it happens amillennial, premillennial, secret rap, who cares? We're getting there through faith in Christ. So I just diffuse it. Okay, Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh word stirs it up. James 3:16 to 17 wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition there will be disorder I love this but wisdom but wisdom but wisdom from above wisdom from above is pure peaceable gentle and friendly gentle is a similar word to me How we going? I'm running out of time, so I might jump a bit. 
Uh, meekness is a qualification for effective leadership in the church or work. Here we are to Timothy 2, 24-25. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hope that God will give them a change of heart. So the Bible says we're not to quarrel with people. There is a place for peaceable argument, presenting your point of view. An argument is different than quarrelling. Good arguing is just presenting your case peaceably, but quarrelling is when you throw your words like spears. Um, So we are to gently instruct and pray that God will give people a change of heart. So point one was we need to be understanding, not demanding. Point two, we need to be gentle, not judgmental with people who let us down. Point three, we need to be tender but without surrender when someone disagrees with us. Point four, when someone corrects you, be teachable, not unreachable. And meekness is really a teachable spirit. Meek people are eager to learn from others. They're not know-it-alls. They want to listen. They want to hear. Man, I could tell some stories, but I haven't got time. James 1.19 Let everyone be quick to listen, but slow to use his tongue and slow to lose his temper. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you'll be slow to anger. But if you're slow to listen and quick to speak, you'll probably be quick to anger. So be teachable, not unreachable. See, meek people know they don't know everything. They don't have all the answers. And the older you get, the less you know you don't know. A meek person is someone who is teachable, not unreachable, even when the correction is given by your husband or your wife or your kids. I gave my kids permission to correct me, provided they said it nicely. And they did. And they do. And I have to remember that I actually invited them to. And they're very good at correcting me. And the problem is they, 99.9% of the time, they're right. But it's good for me. Why? Proverbs 13, verse 18. Whoever listens to correction is honoured. God honours you when you listen to correction. So I'd rather change my mind and succeed than have my own way and fail. Uh, And last point, I think we're going to make it through okay. Wow, that's surprising. I've been disciplining myself not to tell too many stories. When somebody hurts you, be an actor, not a reactor. Romans 12, 17-21 Do not repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, take the initiative with God's love. A fact of life is you will be hurt. Um, one of my... Um, one of my fellow leaders on my team many years ago said to me, You've hurt me. You've hurt me. And he really got nasty about it. And I said, look, I'm sorry. But 
and I didn't mean to. I, the last thing I wanted to do was hurt you, but I apologise if I've hurt you. But get over it, you know, because we're all going to get hurt. But remember this, as you're getting bitter and as you're getting revengeful, I said, remember this, you are going to hurt somebody someday because you're human. One day you're going to hurt somebody. So don't get offended. Well, you can get offended and make it quick. Get over it quick. Because I, I have been offended and I'm still working on getting over offence quickly. But offence is the devil's trap. And sadly, this young man um, did not get over his offence. And it destroyed his spiritual life and the spiritual life of his wife and children. And it's just a tragic story. Um, So, be an actor, not a reactor. You know, the natural human reaction is to retaliate and to get even. And we can be very inventive of thinking of ways for revenge. It's a part of human nature. And we don't want to go down that road, to the get even road. We don't want to retaliate and get revenge and react. But respond with forgiveness. Even when a person hasn't asked for it, that is to act and take the initiative. A story. The Booker Washington, a great black scientist, faced prejudice all his life. He said, I will never allow anyone to control or ruin my life by making me hate him. See, when you hate someone, you're allowing that person to control your emotions. The moment you start retaliating, seeking revenge, getting even, you actually give up control in your life. You're reacting, not acting. And that's a position of weakness. Jesus said the meek person knows how to let it go. And Moses was being criticised and being insulted and he was being put down by his own sister and by Aaron, his brother-in-law. Because he married a black lady from Ethiopia. They gave him hell. So Moses' brother and sister didn't like the interracial marriage. And they became really nasty pasties. But you know what? Moses refused to defend himself. He left his case in the hands of God. He left his defence to God. And the thing is that God hates racial prejudice. So he dealt with, with um, Miriam. And he said to Miriam, You like white skin? I'll give you lots of white skin. And he gave her leprosy all over her body for a little period of time. And he goes, now, you know, I don't like racial prejudice. But the lesson of the story is, meek men trust God. Moses trusts God in all situations and circumstances. So he says, be an actor, not a reactor. And meekness is the ability to handle a hurt without retaliating. I think Proverbs 16 verse 32 
Here's a good definition of meekness. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his own spirit than he who captures a city. So can you control your emotions or does somebody else? Are your emotions controlled by circumstances or by people or by your godly character? It's your choice. So meek people are self-controlled, controlling their reactions towards life. So if you are a meek person, you're no longer a victim. You become a victor because you're in control of your world, because you control your choices. You can't control what anyone else does, but you can control your reactions and your choices. Viktor Frankl, the famous psychiatrist, went to Auschwitz concentration camp. He said, they took my clothes, they took my wife, they took my kids, they even took my wedding ring. I stood naked before the SS and I realised they could take everything in my life, but they could not take my freedom to choose how I will respond to them and I refuse to react with hate. And that's a freedom that we will always have. How do I choose to react to those people who hurt me? Jesus said, happiness belongs to people with self-control. You may say, well, that leaves me out. I'm not very good at controlling my actions. In fact, I can't get them under control. Yep, you sound like me. However, I know somebody who has helped me and will help you get them under control. The secret of controlling your reactions is to let God fill your life. And he breaks those patterns of being negative, defensive, reacting in fear, anger, sarcasm. And Jesus has transformed me. And if he can transform me, he can transform anybody. So Jesus is the prime example of meekness, power controlled by love. Love is, the God kind of love is greater than feeling. The God kind of love is the love that chooses to choose the highest good. And God, when he looked at sinful human beings, the, the, the words of the Bible express God's emotions. And God, when he saw how wicked the earth was, in the Hebrew it basically goes, he goes... <gasps> It just took his breath away. But he chose to send his own son. He was horrified by our sin. But he made a choice to give his dearest and his best. An act of his will to choose our highest good even though our sin horrified him. Took his breath away. And then Jesus is a prime example of meekness, power controlled by love. He hung on the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have blown up the world. But his power was controlled by love. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So to be truly happy, we need to develop the quality of meekness. And the best way is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'd invite you to pray this simple prayer in your heart, 
silently after me. Jesus Christ, I need your spirit of power in my life. And I need your spirit of love. And I need your spirit of self-control. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Jesus Christ, I need you to help me. This next people this next week, when people serve me, help me to be understanding. <clears throat> especially at home. Jesus, when people disappoint me, help me to be gentle, not judgmental. And when people disagree with me, help me to be tender without surrender. When people want to correct me, and offer suggestions. Help me to be teachable and not unreachable. And Lord, when people hurt me, help me to be an actor and not a reactor. To choose to respond with love and forgiveness and not act in retaliation. I want to be like you, Jesus Christ. I need your help and power in my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Right. How do we get this off? Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, that's all right.